Welcome to the SaaS App Lab podcast where we interview SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Kimia. He's the founder of Ghosted. And uh, thank you, Kimia, for joining us today. It's a pleasure having you. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here and uh, just spend some time getting to know each other. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and when you currently are? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me, obviously. Um, right now, based out of Victoria, BC, um, Ghostit, the company that I started, is about two and a half years old. And there's, there's two real sides to the business. Uh, the first side is the content marketing agency, where we create blog posts, social media posts, email newsletters, content assets that then our customers can use to get found online to then drive in business. And then the other part is we actually built our own software platform, and that helps produce better content marketing and helps you structure kind of everything that you're going to do around that. So it also integrates with all your uh, distribution platforms. So you hook up your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, and then you can build processes to then help you just kind of organize everything. Awesome. And uh, as far as actually coming up with the product, right, it, it, there's obviously things that go into doing that. And then, you know, sometimes you run into problems. Sometimes you want to innovate because you didn't find a specific feature in one of them. So what was the main driver that, that you took into consideration when creating Ghosted? Yeah, so I think there's a few parts to that question. I think the, the first best way to answer that would be um, when we were doing content marketing for our customers, um, a lot of times what would happen is they would pay us for the content creation and then what would they would do is they would post it and they wouldn't actually do any of the other peripheral marketing tasks. So say, for example, you post a blog post and you do no outreach whatsoever or you put no paid traffic towards it, it's not going to be as successful as if you do those other peripheral marketing tasks, like send it out to your email newsletter and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to build was a software or a piece of software that helped content marketers outline those processes and actually do those peripheral marketing steps so their content efforts or other people's content marketing efforts could make them more successful. Okay, that makes sense. So we, solved, we solved our own problem, to put it yeah. short. Yeah. That's awesome. And what's a little bit of the background on, on yourself and, and what made you, you know, realize that this was something that you could actually do for the product or just for ghosted for the product? Yeah. Well, I mean, doing content marketing for a wide variety of different businesses, you get a lot of insight mm -hmm. into all the problems that they're facing. And you also just have conversations with people and, you know, you can analyze how they're actually doing. And so, you know, one of the things that, we really saw was this gap in the market where there's good process tools and then there's good social posting tools and then there's good actual like content creation. So, um, you know, like Google drive, Dropbox paper, like that kind of stuff, but nothing that tied everything together. And so you still have that distribution piece that's missing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you're using something like Asana, you can plan everything, but then you're also managing all these other tools like your WordPress, your Facebook, your Twitter. And so to tie those two together to then list those steps, to then have them just post for you. I think that was really the key piece that we're solving. That's one of the main issues. Like I, we spoke before the podcast just for a little bit, right? And we mentioned my, a little bit of my background, just being involved in, in marketing agencies and things like that. And that was a lot of the, the, the things that personally I saw, you know, firsthand is dealing with clients and customers and things like that. And really understanding how they work and how they were putting content out. Like you said, they, they were only doing one piece of the pie. And there was still like this huge thing missing where they were either they weren't driving the traffic to the content or they weren't sending it out. So essentially you're just posting a blog post, but there's no one going to it. Um, so there's really no point other than, you know, the, this SEO, I guess that you could 
get from it. Exactly. Um, so but then, then, then to add to that, even with the SEO, like there are still so many other things that you should be doing to make that work. So, you, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, so what's been one of the biggest issues or not issues, but problems that you run into, right? When, when creating a company from really from scratch and, and what are some of the things that you did to overcome those issues? Oh man, <laughs> laundry list of issues. Um, I would, okay. So the, the two biggest things I would say is, uh, don't do it. So if you're going to start from absolute scratch, one of the things that really helped, um, kind of solidify the direction was we would talk to people about potential things that we were going to make or, uh, offers that we were going to give to potential customers other than the people that we were just talking to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they would say like, yeah, that's neat. But when we ask for payment, they wouldn't actually, you know, offer up their credit card. And so I think when people are really willing to pay you, especially because in our case, we're bootstrapped, we have no outside funding. Mm-hmm. When people are willing to pay you, you've actually hit on a pain point because people will talk about problems all day, but it's, it's harder for them to quantify it. So if you can say, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to solve your problem. And they say, that's awesome. And then you also say, I'm going to charge $300 a month. They're like, well, can we go now? That's a, that's a great indicator that you're moving in the right, in the right wow. direction. And, you know, early days, um, we would build things. So, you know, like just starting out with myself and before we really solidified the team, we had core offerings that we thought would resonate, but then people would be like, ah, I don't really feel that that's valuable to me. And then they wouldn't pay for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest issue is just doing things that people don't really find valuable. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, when, when you're talking about pain points and things like that, and I think that's the biggest thing that people have to focus on, uh, and not so much. And we talked about this in a different podcast, um, essentially the, the exit strategy or what's going to happen, you know, once I, I create this product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in this, in this industry get caught up with because they think that they can sell the company later on. And, and that's the only thing they're thinking about. But there's all of these things that have to happen before you actually do that. And the first thing you need to do is find a pain point and really hit it on, hit the head on the nail, hit the nail on the head. And, you know, Oh, totally. Make someone's lives easier. Yeah. Um, essentially that's, that's what people are going to pay you for. So I think you really have the grasp on that obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. And, uh, as far as, and, and I went through the website and everything and I saw the pricing on there. Mm-hmm. What was, how, how did you find the right price to, to set on? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I want to back up a second. Cause I, I like that point that you were just mentioning, um, you know, talking about like solving that pain point. I'm a big fan of how intercom thinks about their product in a jobs to be done framework. Mm-hmm. And so, um, usually someone is hiring your product for a job to be done. So if your product actually does that job, then it's going to be really valuable to them. Um, you know, to, to jump forward onto pricing, to answer your question, uh, it was really just an iterative process. We started out at $99 a month and we just completely over-delivered and undercharged. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't build a scalable business doing that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mark Andreessen's kind of advice where he talks about you should charge more than you think you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so if you do, you know, you really have that cash into the bank to then, you know, grow and the cost for acquiring a customer is just getting more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. And so if you're charging more than you feel comfortable with, then, you know, chances are either the market will say, no, this is too high. And then you'll have to back down or people will just end up paying you more than you think you could have charged and you'll be in a better spot. So, you know, now our packages for the content side of things, 
you know, it's relatively cheap compared to some other agencies, but starts at $300 a month. And that's for two units of content. So a blog post, 15 social posts, you know, those are two different units. Um, and then with the software side of things, we're starting at $47 a month because it's under 50, it's a credit card purchase. And then as we build out multi-user functionality, then we can start to break up the pricing and get a little bit more complex. But I don't think it needs to be complicated. I just think people need to pay for it, find that value. And then, you know, eventually we can, we can raise the prices in tandem with this. Absolutely. And I, I, you, I believe you're still in the early stages with the product, right? Is, was... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's definitely out there and it definitely works. Um, we are constantly iterating on it, like everyone building a product should. But I would say we launched the newest version of a product, which hinges on processes and templates, um, maybe about a month ago, a month or two. So yeah, it is, it is early days for sure. And how are you finding things to, to change up um, when you're talking about versions, right? So you have version one, essentially, you know, what you thought people were going to want, people were going to use and things like that. Where are you getting the data from or how are you looking at the data to make those decisions? Yeah. So uh, there's two parts to that. So one, I'll give you kind of some insight into the actual marketing strategy, which your audience might find interesting. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I'm really trying to focus on because, you know, I'm, I'm heading up all of our marketing and not really doing any of the development is I'm looking at what successful companies are doing in terms of their process. So I'll, like uh, I just published the uh, B2B lead generation guide, what HubSpot does to promote their lead generating content. And so it's this massive post on like steps one through nine, and it really outlines everything they're doing. It puts examples and it's a really you know, long, good piece of content. Mm -hmm. But then each of those steps is put into the platform. So then, you know, as they're reading through the post, there's little calls to action where it says like, <laughs> all your social media might seem super tedious, but you can actually get this in the platform yeah. where this template is built for you. Just connect here, like connect your Facebook and Twitter to start your free trial. And so, that's where we're seeing a lot of kind of traction and people are saying like, wow, this is awesome. I can just get these high level strategies and these templates just built for me. Mm -hmm. And so when people onboard, they'll often say, well, you know, like I would love it if the product did this, or I, I have a problem with this. And we do a lot of competitive research as well to see kind of what people are doing well and what they aren't doing well. Um, reviews is a really nice hack into that. So if you yeah. look at, if you look at your competitors reviews, so say I'm competing against Hootsuite, I would go to all their one and two star reviews and I'd look at all their complaints and then we would just build sections of their complaints. Uh -huh. So I, I kind of like that as a hack, but obviously there's no one trick. And so it's just a, like I said before, an iterative process. Uh, I think you touched on a very uh, great thing that I think a lot of people misuse and that's, you know, repeating successful actions. And that's something I've based, you know, a lot of the things that I do around and it's just really finding what's working. Obviously it's working for a reason, right? And, and it's the same thing with books. It, mm -hmm. It's essentially a mentor pretty much writing everything out for you and you just have to follow step by step as, I mean, obviously as much as you can, of course. Um, but it's definitely out there. And if you look at companies, you know, at a very high level, like HubSpot, for example, one of the biggest in, in the industry, right. Mm -hmm. And intercom and things like that, you're going to find similarities across every single one of them. And that's because those things work. And if you start following those footsteps, you're definitely going to be, you know, amongst those when you start implementing them and, and really learning essentially what others that are successful in the same space are doing. And uh, I actually never heard of anyone, you know, going through the bad reviews. So I think that's an awesome little hack there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm going to try that out somehow. You can, you can definitely do that. It works, <laughs> it works really well. Um, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, why reinvent the wheel? 
why not just improve a few spokes and become that much better? Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that's, we've also touched on something with these pre-made templates. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people just don't have the time to come up with these in-depth processes. And so if they can look at, you know, like an email marketing campaign template, and they can see all the steps that they need to do to execute a successful email marketing campaign, why not just sign up, get it in the platform instead of, you know, churning through three different pieces of software to try and make this work. Right. Absolutely. And now that you touched on churn, what are some of the things that you're doing to, to keep that from happening on both, uh, you know, sides of the business, because you do have the content writing and then you have the platform. So, uh, I, my first impression would be that there's different things that you need to take care of for each individual mm -hmm. uh, using, you know, each, each one of the platforms separately or together. So what are some of the things that you're noticing that, um, could be causing churn and what are you doing about it? Yeah. So I think there's two parts to this. Um, one is taking on, uh, I don't want to say bad customers, but the wrong type of fit. So if you, if we take on someone who's done absolutely no content marketing and they're not doing any of the peripheral steps to make it successful, chances are um, they're going to have a bad experience because they're not investing themselves. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you're not investing in the success and you're just paying someone else to take care of it, it's likely that you're not going to see the greatest results and churn out. Mm -hmm. And so there is a little bit of, you know, pre-qualifying for that. Um, I like to call, I like to call it revenue protection. And so basically it's just, you just talk to a lot of people, you know, how are you doing? What problems are you having? How can we help? How can we make your experience better? It, it is just conversations. And even if it, it makes them saying like, I want to leave your services, uh, awkward, that's better than them just saying like, I don't, I don't care for you know, any of the stuff that you're doing, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, those things aside, the results have to be there and they have to prove it. Right. Right. Um, so that's, that would be the number one thing to protect churn is just do great work on the software side of things, because it is pretty early days. It's again, it's just staying in touch with your customers, investing in, in what they want to see. And so if someone says, you know, like, Hey, I really want to see this, I'm going to personally respond to them. And I'm gonna say, thanks for your feedback. This is amazing. You know, like, we're, we're going to build this out in one to two weeks. We've got the team on it. And that really goes a long way because so many people are just used to a faceless corporation and they're just surprised to get an email response back at all. Absolutely. And essentially how, you know, when it comes down to, to really starting to build out things that customers want and you touched on bad customers and things like that. Um, how, how do you deal with essentially being pulled in too many directions, right? So obviously there's, there's a roadmap for your company, for the product and where you want to be and, and the things that you're currently working on. So how do you deal with essentially, you know, having one or two different people come in and, and ask for something that's not in any of those plans? Um, do you turn them down? Do you tell them that's, that's not in the roadmap or do yeah. you ask, you know, why do you need this type of feature? Yeah, that's a really good question actually. I think it comes down to two things. Um, one being, why are they asking for this? So is it, is it a problem that they're trying to solve or is it a deficiency in the product? Mm -hmm. And if it's a problem that they're trying to solve and the product doesn't solve for that problem, that might be something interesting, right? If it's a deficiency in the product or they're, they're just not using it properly, it might just be a simple, um, simple conversation where you say, why are you, like, what are you trying to do by asking for this feature, mm -hmm. right? And oftentimes it's just because they're either lazy or they're frustrated or they don't take the time to actually learn how your product works yeah. to build it, right? And so I think having those conversations is the first place to start. Um, there is also a component of saying no. 
and it's it's obviously hard because these people are asking you for something that they need and they'll they'll say like oh you know we'll we'll pay you extra for this but i don't think that's necessarily the right way to go mm-hmm. because then you know you get into the space or the scope of feature creep where then you're just building out this thing and your product becomes this like huge gross behemoth <laughs> features that only you know one percent of your customers exactly. use. and so I, it, it's a fine balance and there is no kind of right answer i think really thinking about the future of where you want the product to go is the best way to do that. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a great answer. I mean, and, and you know, you don't want to have this one product that does everything, but isn't necessarily good at just one specific thing. Right. So I think bloating a product with too many features can get extremely overwhelming. And not only that, but then when you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, when someone new is coming on board, the onboarding process is just going to become way longer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's an issue of, of itself. Right. So you, like right now, I'm not entirely sure of how many features you have and things like that. But mm-hmm. once you start adding all sorts of things in there, it goes from onboarding someone in one day to taking that and making it a week. And if you keep adding and adding, then you have this like, you know, <laughs> whole semester class on just learning one product. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, look at, look at the giant enterprise companies. They have people that go on site and train them. Pay for Like you have to pay someone to go to your office to train you on your product. Mm -hmm. But that's not a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. Now that we're touching on on the the onboarding section of things, how are you currently taking that on? Is there a a live demo or is it a, pre-recorded demo kind of webinar thing that walks them through everything or is every client, um, you know, their, their own kind of thing, however they need to use it. Yeah. So, so for the, for the, uh, content creation, that's separate. And I'll touch on that first. So the first thing that we do is we kind of, we get on a conversation with, or we get, we get on a call with them and we understand what they're doing, why they want to get into content marketing, you know, how can we help them? And then what we do is we put them through our onboarding questionnaire. And that's like brand voice, brand strategy, uh, where you want to go, problems that you're having, who are your competitors, who is your audience. And because I think a lot of people who create content, they create content for the sake of creating content, not create content to resonate with their buyers. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we really put a strong emphasis on is making sure that the content can actually serve their end user. Mm -hmm. So that changes the dynamic a little bit. And then it makes it so it's more strategy focused. And I think our customers really appreciate that. And that's why, you know, the services side has done so well on the software side of things. A lot of the initial onboarding is through these templates. And so people will be searching for some kind of template related to some marketing tasks, like a social media marketing calendar template. And then they'll see our template. They'll click through and they'll say, this looks great. I want to get this template. It'll take them into the platform. They can then see all the steps necessary within this connect their social accounts. And they're already probably 75% of the way there, right? And then mm-hmm. so we've, we've got a little tutorial in the platform, um, but people can also request a demo and you know, when either myself or someone on the team is gonna walk, uh, walk them through it. Okay. I'm not huge on pre-recorded webinars. Okay, why is that? I just think they're a little impersonal. Okay. I, I, think, I think customers are smart enough that they know, and it's just like, you know, like you can assign, well, depending on your price point, right? But you can assign someone to, to give it a personal touch because it goes so much farther. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, it, it gets, even though it, it's, it becomes a little bit less scalable, mm-hmm. and I've had this conversations with other entrepreneurs in the same space too, where they, they speak about, you know, 
doing things that aren't scalable and that's going to help you retain all your customers or, you know, majority of them at least, um, yeah. so that they're all happy. Um, I think, you know, getting face to face time with, with people and really understanding their needs and, and giving them that, like you said, that personal touch goes a long way, mm -hmm. uh, especially at the very beginning stages of a company where you have to build that trust. There's not a lot of, you know, when people can go out there and, and look at every review that's out there and things like that. So I think it's important um, to be as personal as possible. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's get a little bit egotistical here, right? <laughs> Love it. Let's go. What is the thing that you are most proud of up to this day? Most proud of? Um, like company related, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we won uh, top 10 companies to watch for 2018. Okay. And so um, myself and my two other co-founders, uh, we got on the cover of a magazine and we got invited to this, this big gala and we got a, a ton of press around that. So that was, that That's was really exciting. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, we're kind of getting close here to the 30 minutes and uh, I did want to ask a couple more questions. Absolutely. What is the one piece of advice that you think every single person in the space, uh, specifically starting a company should follow to, to, you know, make it happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I don't think there is one specific piece of advice. Uh, so I'm reading, I'm reading through principles right now by Ray Dalio. And Great love, book. I, I think it's unbelievably good. Yeah. I think being, you know, like he says, radically open-minded, mm -hmm. it's really, really powerful because everybody, no matter how inexperienced or how foreign they are to your business, everybody has something valuable to provide for you. Absolutely. Just being open-minded to what people have to say is really important. Like, I'll give you a good example. Um, my, uh, my partner's parents, they didn't really understand what the product did. And they were like, oh, you know, I don't think that's such a good idea. You should just go like sell cars or get like a regular <laughs> job. And I, I, at first I was like, oh, how could you yeah. say that? But then I thought about it a little bit more and I, you know, the fault was really with me because I didn't, I wasn't- um, You wouldn't understand their point of view. Exactly, yeah. And I wasn't explaining the product as well as I could mm -hmm. to make it relatable to them. So they understood the value. So I think, I think being, you know, radically open-minded is, is just so important. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important things, you know, and then it, it helps you understand where people are coming from and, and all a lot of different possibilities um, that are out there for pretty much every single thing. And again, creating those principles for everything. Exactly. Uh, I read that book in the past. So book. And yeah. uh, so the other questions actually, or actually let's go step back a little bit. Um, what's been the number one, you know, driver to growth for Ghosted? Um, it, so in terms of tactical or like internally for me? Tactical. Oh, the number one driver. Well, so we do a good job with our own content marketing, obviously, because okay. uh, we practice what we preach. And so that's got us a lot of pretty high value customers. Um, I think in-person sales is very undervalued. Mm -hmm. so a, a lot of our good kind of conversations have either come from conferences or, um, you know, like mutual connections. So someone will introduce us and just, you know, and this, this might sound kind of, this might be skirting around your question a little bit, but oftentimes it's how long can you not die until you find something that works? <laughs> and so there might be, you know, like a few months in the beginning where you're like, oh my God, I have no clue like what I'm doing. Like, am I an idiot? Like, I feel like I'm doing all the wrong things. And it's just like, stick through, keep going. And eventually you will find something that works. And so, you know, touching on the two biggest growth accelerators for us has been in person and uh, our own content marketing. Or essentially just not, you know, 
holding on to whatever you're doing. I don't know if you've read the book, The Tipping Point. Yes, uh, great book. Love not Gladwell's my favorite author of all time. Yeah, it's a great book. And a lot of people literally they give up right before something's big is gonna happen. Absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, it's hard to do it. Obviously, it it it's you know, going through a lot of pain and and really, you know, putting yourself out there and spending money. Obviously, that's a big part of it, right? You're just oh, absolutely. through cash and yeah. and a lot of people stop right before that tipping point it's, it's hard it is, and people say it's hard but they don't understand how hard it actually is. <laughs> like they'll, they'll be like yeah yeah that sounds hard but then it's like oh my god this is yeah. hard no but it's it, you know on the on the flip side of that it's probably one of the best things i've ever done you know like two and a half years we have employees all over the world like we have customers all over the world like it, it is an incredible journey yeah that's awesome super excited to hear all that and uh I think that's all I've got. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, no. I mean, if people are looking to find out a little bit more about me, obviously, you know, you can find me on Twitter at hkimia, K, uh, at hkimia, uh, ghost it, obviously, g-h-o-s-t-i-t dot c-o. You can check us out there. And, uh, you know, drop me a line if you have any questions. I'm always happy to chat about content marketing or you know, anything related. Uh, awesome. So Kimia actually took a little bit part of my outro uh that was going to be coming up but uh, essentially you can find me on pretty much instagram i'm not really on twitter so it's just camacho.ftm and phantom.agency uh spelled like that and uh, yeah thank you for being on here with us today and i really appreciate you taking the time of the day and and you know spending time with myself and the people that are watching and uh i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure absolutely thank you so much Kimia. take care bye-bye